What's happening? It's John from a cut above horror review. It is episode number 33. We're talking about Candyman from 2021 continuing on women of horror month. Uh, this was picked by Jacqueline. Very excited to be talking about this one, man. Uh, I, I, I don't know what they call this. It's a remake slash sequel Candyman. I don't know if you guys seen this one, but if you have not, make sure you watch it before you listen to the podcast. But uh, we're jumping right into it. It is Candyman 2021 Women of Horror Month, a cut above horror review. Candyman, 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 Candyman. Oh, shit. That starts now. Cut my life into pieces. Good evening and welcome to A Cut Above Horror Review. It's a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host Jacqueline and tonight we will be discussing the film Candyman from 2021. But first, let's meet everybody else on this show. First up, it's Hyderberg. What's up, Hyderberg? What's going on? I was Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I just say it three times right now. I was wondering if you're going to swallow that water in time. You took a big swig right as I was about to introduce you. <laughs> the listeners don't need to know about that. Jeff. Timing, timing. Wet my whistle a little bit. <laughs> Gotta get ready. And we've also got John. What's going on, John? What's going on, guys? Jacqueline, uh, happy Valentine's Day, Nick. Yes. Or Hydra, <laughs> happy Valentine's Day. Uh, Thank you. Jacqueline, did you guys celebrate at all? Did you guys do anything, you and your husband, Joey? No, our tradition has been to celebrate. Um, I almost just said Thanksgiving. That's weird. <laughs> celebrate <laughs> Valentine's Day the day before or after the 14th. Um, just because like we want to like celebrate the day, but it's such a pain in the butt to try to like get dinner reservations somewhere and then it's crowded and the prices are jacked up. And it's just it's a made up holiday anyway. So there's no real like significance to it being specifically on the 14th. So we're like, ah. Let's just make it a date night and do it the day before or after, and then it's not crowded, and that's it. So tomorrow is our Valentine's Day, but we did crack open some champagne for today. Which he is partaking in right now. Currently imbibing. (laughs) In Hyderabad, man, dope tattoo you got this past uh, week or this past weekend. Tell the listeners about your art. Yes, I got a... um... It's a piece I got. I got it started last year, but it was like swelling a little bit when we started. It's a Sin City art from uh, the book from Frank Miller. Cool. Yeah, it was a piece. It's like a naked lady, basically. It's like a silhouette of a woman with her hands in her hair. But it just he does those kind of things really good. It's beautiful, honestly. Thank you. Yeah. Is that, I'm happy with it. Uh, huh? Did you actually use your certificate or the $150? No, that or... was for the Freddy Krueger stencil oh, okay. that I got a couple weeks ago. I know it's hard all to keep right. track of all the tattoos I've been getting. So how You're many all... do you have now? I mean, you, you got eight. your first one, like eight. You yeah, I got my first one. Them. I got my first one ever in July of uh, 2020. So I've gotten a good amount since then. Good for you. Yeah. It- I have no, I have no idea of how many I have. It's just accumulated. John. I've got two, three quarter sleeves. So there you go. Well, did you get those sleeves done all at once, or did you piece them nope. together and then get piece them, them together? In? That's kind of what I'm doing on this arm. Yeah, yeah. I, I know you can't though. see it like on the po- yeah. I know you can't see it on the podcast, but I have sharks. I like saw that bottom part. Dope. So nice. There you go. Well, 
I'm standing outside the candy store, pressing my nose against the glass. <laughs> yeah, just be, uh, Hyderberg, just before you got on, <laughs> the Jacqueline was actually saying, I wish I can get tattoos, but Joey doesn't like them. So yeah, he's told me. I what do would have... you get? What would you, what would your thing be, Jacqueline? If you got tattoos, what are you thinking? Oh, I would get, definitely get a horror sleeve for oh, sure. Oh, would you really? Nice. Yeah. I don't know if I would go with like images from films though or if it would be more kind of like general kind of halloween spooky kind of imagery like mm. like witches and pumpkins and stuff like that i don't know but like spooky look spooky and pretty not like yeah. cute and cartoony you know what i mean would yeah. it be all black and gray or would you do color i think black and gray probably works best i don't know like i have two tattoos now um, and they're both black and gray. I don't know how color would show up on my skin because my skin's a little bit darker. So I don't know how well that would read. Mm-hmm. So I don't know for sure, but it's kind of a, it's kind of a moot point. <laughs> but, well, there you go. They, we all have dreams, right? And maybe we all have day. dreams. And I, I did have <laughs> these two tattoos before I met Joey. Um, but if uh, we ever meet up together, we're all getting tattoos. Joey be damned. I just won't tell him. And then uh, yeah. we'll see. I'll, I'll do uh, a little challenge like our friend Matt and see. Well, uh, shit, guys, <laughs> I keep telling you a cut above tattoos. That's weird. what we are getting. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. That's what it is. I thought we were getting avocado tattoos, John. No. Tattoo. <laughs> I sent you that. I mean, no, J- Jacqueline's getting the hummus tattoo. <laughs> I'll do oh. hummus, yeah. Okay. John would hate the ta- the avocado tattoo because he hates that line in the movie uh, yeah. from Silent Night, and I would hate the avocado tattoo just because I hate avocados. So. <laughs> I actually but- saw a cool avocado tattoo uh, online one day. It was like a little avocado, like a half avocado, right. and uh-huh. instead of like the um, the seed in the middle, it was uh, like an alien. Oh shit! Oh. Like sort of like as the seed, like a chest That's cool. Yeah, I like That's that. Interesting. Yeah. The irony is maybe Joey would like an avocado tattoo because he loves avocados. Good man. Good man. <laughs> All right. I, I, I like him. I like him more now. <laughs> He's against tattoos, but he likes avocados. So it sort of yeah. evens out. that's he the lo- compromise. That is the compromise. You got to get an avocado. He basically eats the same lunch as you every day. He has like <laughs> egg whites, me. egg whites with avocados and hot sauce. And that's basically Good. his lunch. He's super healthy. <laughs> anyway, okay. Well, let's enough tattoo talk, I think. There you go. Let's get back to our horror discussion. John, yes. have you got yes. some horror news for us? I unfortunately have some very sad news. The writer director Ivan Reitman has passed away at the age of 75, of course. Uh, for me, uh, part of my childhood, he, he directed uh, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2. He did a, a, a an unknown movie back in 1973 called Cannibal Girl. So he's definitely had his hands in horror movies. Uh, he did produce Jason Reitman, his son, the uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, which just recently came out. But man, uh, that sad loss for not only the horror movie community, but just entertainment community as a as a whole. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, not just, uh, I I think probably Ghostbusters is the best known film maybe by him, but he also did a lot of other comedies and, and well-known films from like the nineties, like junior kindergarten cop. I loved kindergarten cop when I was a kid. It's not the Puma. It's not the Puma. These are lunches. (laughs) Boys have a penis. Girls Girls have have a vagina. vagina. Twins. 
stripes, nice. stripes, stripes, meatballs. Talk about a classic. Wow, Oof. stripes, meatballs, meatballs. Yeah. I mean, yeah. those are those are all time. Oh, there's classics. some bangers. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's a sad loss. It is definitely. Yeah. So, so what'd you say? Seventy five. Seventy five years old. Yeah, it's a good run. It's a good run. It is. But, yeah, it seems a little, always, a little early. It always feels too soon. Honestly, Betty White felt like it was too soon, and she was <laughs> yeah, True, true. True That's story. True story. So pour one out for Ivan Reitman. Um, yeah, I guess we all watched the Super Bowl. Uh, Rams won. Congratulations to them. And then Jacqueline and I had a, a text exchange of who I thought was going to win. I honestly, I, I, I thought the Bengals were going to win, even though I'm in San Diego. We're still pissed off that the Chargers left San Diego to go to L.A. But congratulations to Los Angeles Rams. But everybody, we're, we're talking about the commercials. One of my favorites Jordan Peele's third movie that's coming out July 22nd of 2022. The trailer came out. Nope. And we posted it up on our Facebook, guys. Wait, did it come out or no? No, the the trailer came out. You said nope. So I thought maybe it didn't come out. You're funny. (laughs) The movie is called Nope. Sci-fi horror. What did you guys think of it as far as the trailer? Are you excited? Oh, I was definitely. gonna let Jacqueline go first. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm super excited. I mean, I was excited already for it, so I don't know if the trailer like ramped up my excitement, but I mean, it it definitely confirmed my like reassured me in my excitement that like yeah, this looks dope. Nope, looks dope. Yeah, it's a big yeah, it's a big dope for nope. Uh, that that trailer works really well for me. Uh, it's the only one I think i want to see but man it, it, there's some great shots in that film it, it, like the cinematography already just looks so good and just i don't know like i'm digging the vibes it gave a really big budget feel without giving it away so if you do want to check out if you haven't seen the trailer for nope go check it out at our facebook page uh cut above colon or review man it, it, it feels like it, it's almost like a horror version of independence day that's yeah, the vibe like that gives um, third encounters. Third oh, close encounters. Close encounters. Close encounters. Third, third, yeah. Third yeah. yeah, it yeah, really yeah. does. Yeah, there was one shot in the trailer that kind of showed the house where presumably our main characters are living, kind of from a distance with these really dark, ominous storm clouds above, and it looks like an isolated sort of ranch type home. Yeah. And you see all the lights on in the house, and you hear music playing, and then. It just called kind of like like winds down, and then you see this house just plunged into darkness in the midst of in the middle of nowhere with these very dark storm clouds up ahead, and, and uh, the horse just like takes off like it senses something. Yeah, it kind of made my heart drop a little bit. It's like oh, yeah. a lot of people looking up in the entire trailer, like everybody's yeah. just mm-hmm. looking up at something. It's very mm-hmm. intense. I I would highly recommend like put it into your laptop or PC, whatever you're listening to. Turn the volume all the way up. Put your headphones yeah. on. It's got such good sound good to it. Good sound, and yeah. It does. has to be. Uh, I have to watch this in the theater, and we have to review it when it comes out. So, yeah, I was just, I was going to say, you guys yeah. want to review it when it comes out, definitely. Right? Absolutely, definitely. Yeah. Without well, question. Um, J- July twenty second, I believe it comes. That's out. what it is. Yep. Okay. July twenty second, twenty twenty two. So we we already know what we're doing July twenty second or shortly after that. Whatever the next. There was Monday is after that. <laughs> there was another trailer during the Super Bowl that I thought was badass too. Was the Doctor Strange trailer? I know it's not horror related necessarily, but dude, it looks so good. 
And it's directed by Sam Raimi. So there you go. There's your link. I believe Gosh. Sam Raimi, friend of uh, uh, Rob Zombie. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's how you got it. Damn it, it. we got it in. <laughs> I, honestly, Hydraberg, I didn't see that one, but I do kind of want to watch it now. You should check it out. If you like any of the Marvel films, it looks really good. Some of them I do. Uh, the other story I have, Firestarter, the remake trailer mm-hmm. came out for that. A24 is doing it. or I'm, I'm not A24. Blumhouse is doing that. That's coming out. I was like, May. what? Yeah, it's coming out on uh, Peacock Network. So and theaters too. I oh, think. cool! Yeah, the, the I didn't put the trailer up on our Facebook. It, it looked all right. It looks know, cool. I, yeah, I have Peacock. Zach I'll Efron watch it. plays the dad. Who does? Who does? Zach Efron plays the oh, dad. Yeah. Is that who that was? Yeah, he looks a little different. Yeah, he does. Somebody said that the other day. He's got a shirt I, on. I so it's hard to tell Somebody that. told me that the He's other day, and I was like, <laughs> "Who could recognize him?" <laughs> But no, somebody said that the other day, and I was like, isn't he like 15? How is he the dad? But I guess I just always think of him as high school musical Zach Efron. Yeah. I like the first, the original Firestarter. It's a lesser known Stephen King film, but Drew Barrymore was the star of that, you know? I know. And... Hedgeberg, I thought you were going to say you liked the first high school musical. Is that your favorite <laughs> movie? <laughs> and the second one and the third one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm more yeah. of a West Side Story kind of guy. I heard that was great. That motherfucker got nominated for like what six Academy Awards? What the West Side, West Side Story? Story? Oh, I'm, I'm yeah. talking OG West Side, not that, not that new Steven Spielberg joint. That newfangled upstart. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Which is some bullshit because I mean there was like very little. Like last night in Soho, didn't get nominated for anything like nothing? cinematography or anything. Boom. No, nothing. Zero. Design, not even set, not, nothing. nothing. Cinematography, score, and Anya Taylor Joy should have gotten at least at least nominated for best supporting actress. Absolutely. Hashtag ban the Oscars. All the camera tricks that they do in that film and stuff like that that should have been recognized for sure. Yeah, nothing. Editing. Zero. Amazing. Who cares? Fuck the Oscars. Hashtag fuck the Oscars. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah. Well, Nightmare didn't Nightmare Alley get nominated for Best Picture though? Nope. Oh, what? It got nominated for it something. Got, yeah, it got. Right? It did get nominated. It got nominated for like like set design and and costume design or something oh, for real? like that. Yeah. I didn't read the nomination. That's on HBO carefully. now, by the way, guys. <gasps> for real? Yes. Yeah. You can watch it on HBO. Now this, awesome. this this other fucking movie got nominated. Uh, something about a ranch with Benedict Cumberbatch. Or oh whatever. yeah, Joey saw that and said it was meh. Yeah, that's what I heard. It was meh. <laughs> yeah, his mom loved it, but he did not care for it. So I'm not gonna watch it. <laughs> Sorry, we're going off on a tangent here. Uh, yeah, so we're talking about the movie Candyman from 2021 man this thing got delayed for so long just because of the pandemic uh nia DaCosta, and again jacqueline i want you to re- reiterate of what we're talking about this month it's women in horror month so this is week two uh last week we talked about the babadook by jennifer kent and this week we've got the Candyman reboot by nia DaCosta. so we're just focusing on films made by women because they don't get enough to. attention yeah, we have to. Absolutely. Uh, why did you pick this movie for us to watch? I picked this film because I think it deserves 
some deep discussion. I know tons of other podcasts and other media have discussed it a lot too, but I wanted to discuss it with you guys. Um, I think it's really worth a watch. I think it's worth a lot of thought and consideration. And I just really wanted to talk about it with you guys. There's a lot going on. So, um, you know, obviously I don't think we'll be able to like touch on every single thing that's going on in this film. And I, I, I bet you could probably write like a, a doctoral dissertation or something about this film, but you know, I wanted to talk about it with you guys and it's, it's something a little, a little different. So. Sweet. So I guess uh, what we have to determine whether this movie fucks or sucks, right? Is that you're the host. So I, I'm just kind of, because it's your pick. Uh, to, yes. so, so you determine whether this movie fucks or sucks. All right. I'll go first. Uh, yes. This movie fucks. It fucks. And I, well, I will say, this was, I watched it for the second time this week. I just watched it for the first time like two weeks ago, actually. Um, and the f- upon the first watch, I'll be honest with you, at the end, I kind of felt like, I don't know about this. I, I felt a little let down. I felt a little confused. I felt a lot of feelings. But then I <laughs> rewatched it this week. And I have to say, I think it really, really benefits from a second watch. And I think it will benefit even more from a third, fourth, fifth, sixth watch. I think it has strong rewatch value. But my my second watch, I think if, if we were doing this recording after the first time I watched it, I don't know how strongly I would think it fucked. But after my second viewing, I feel like I understand it more and so I feel very secure in its fuckness. It's fuckability. <laughs> it's, yes, that's the that's the noun I was trying to create. It's, it's fuckability. It is yeah. quite fuckable. All right, yeah. Hyderberg, does it fuck or does it suck? Ah, uh, yeah, this is a definite fuck. It's the type of fuck that once it gets its hooks in you, you want more. Oh, oh I see what you did there. Yeah. I see what you did there. There you go. <laughs> okay. And this was my second time watching it. And I did enjoy it just as much as the first time. Cool. John? I don't have any clever entendres for this. Uh, I'm going to say simply <laughs> this, this movie fucks. It's, uh, it was my first time watch. And there were a couple of things that bothered me. Mm-hmm. However, overall, we, we talked about mm-hmm. social commentary. I think there's a difference between social commentary and social issues. And I think this movie covered a lot with social issues. So the commentary to me was more like, you know, slightly going around it. This was in your face. But uh, answer your question simply, this movie fucks. All right, cool. Well, you want to hit us with a spoiler warning so that people know that we're going to get into it. Yes, again, we are celebrating Women of Horror Month. Uh, We're talking about Nia DaCosta's 2021, I guess, uh, kind of a remake slash uh, sequel of Candyman, yeah, yeah, remake a sequel, a requel. There you go. Uh, in its entirety, if you have not seen this movie, make sure you pause the podcast, go watch the movie in its entirety, then come back to find out what we thought about it. Yeah. All right, Hyderberg, have you prepared a reach around for us? I did with hook and hand. Hook? I'm going to give you a reach around. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, you ready? I'm ready. Look into the mirror and what do I see? Candyman staring back at me. Once you see him, it's much too late. He'll bleed you like a bloody steak. 
No faith in his tail was your first mistake. His tail has been passed from generation to generation, a neighborhood torn by gentrification. An artist in need of creative inspiration says his name five times to improve his current situation. Now his name is a buzz in the streets, a hook for a hand and sweets for the sweet. Love it. That was perfect. That was perfect. I love that ending. Yep. Uh, After episode 100, we are getting a book publisher. We're going to publish all these reach rounds. So absolutely. We have to. Yeah. Well, let me start by just asking you guys, what are you, I know this is not like the main purpose of our discussion today, but what are your feelings about the original Candyman? I kind of kind of want to know like some of your background feelings before we get into this, this film. For me, um, it's one of the films that as a, when I was young, scared the crap out of me, like just mm-hmm. the tone of his voice. And like when he's on screen, like it's just disturbing when he opened, you know, you see his rib cage and stuff in those scenes and just the violence is done in a realistic, like gritty way. That's just like, I don't know. You don't see it in a lot of horror films and it's, it's definitely stuck with me. And I did a rewatch of it before I saw this one in theaters uh, last year oh, and cool. it still holds up, man. I watched all three actually, which was kind of a mistake, but the, <laughs> the yeah. first one, it still holds up. It's a really good film. Yeah. In my opinion, I think it's one of the classics. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's um, been how a do you long- feel about it? it's been a long time since I've seen it, but like Hydroberg said, you know, it scared the living piss out of me when I was a kid um, or I was younger, not realizing, you know, the undertones, like, like to me, the original Candyman was the social commentary on something else, you know, whereas this movie leaned more into social issues where, where it's like in your face, they're going to put it right there in front of you. And like, this is exactly what is going on. Um, but what Nia DaCosta did with this movie was great. But, but the original movie was, you know, from what I remember, I didn't rewatch it. I didn't read anything about this. I just kind of went into it blind yeah. without, without rewatching the original and going into this going like, okay, yeah, I, I, I get it. I understand it. And it did, that didn't bother me. So yeah. What about you? I mean, what was your original thoughts? So the original Candyman is one of my all-time favorites. It's definitely in my top 10 favorite horror films of all time. I saw it when I was 14. And at the time that I saw it, it was probably the bloodiest film I had seen to date. Mm. And like the 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 violence was much more graphic and gruesome than I had than I think I had ever experienced before. And I, I was disturbed by it. Like it wasn't even Candyman specifically that bothered me. This is kind of weird, but it was like the beheaded dog and the Mm -hmm. meat cleaver in the shoulder and the woman screaming and trying to protect her baby. Those things really bothered me for, for some reason more than like Candyman himself, but it, it really, that movie really stuck with me and I feel like Bernard Rose's tone and the visual style and the music I can't remember who did the music but um everything about it just created a very specific mood for me that was like melancholy but frightening and haunting so it it really like it really is like an all-time favorite and has a special place in my heart despite the fact that i think it has some serious storytelling problems and like i think the lore in the original candy man gets a little confused but nonetheless flaws aside it's still a great film and holds up but i think one of the things one of the great things about this film the 2021 version is that 
you don't need to have a strong memory, I think, of the original to be immersed in this film and to get it. You know what I mean? That's what I kind of loved about it. And like, I guess my next question to you guys is that is Candyman underrated as a, a paranormal entity? You know, Michael Myers is iconic. Jason Voorhees, uh, Leatherface, uh, uh, what is it, Ghostface? This guy, I, I thought Candyman, because there were, what, two other sequels after this and then having mm-hmm. a remake of it, I, I think Candyman as a, as a, you know, a villain, quote unquote, is totally underrated, you know? Yeah. Well, he's different, right? I mean, he's, he's totally different from those other killers that you mentioned. Not Although, really, not necessarily. Like Jason Yeah, Borges. as I said that, I was like, well, maybe not. Well, there's like, there's like the culture in, involved with um, Candyman. There's more to him than just being a slasher. Right. You know, which like, is like which folklore. Is, which, right. So, yeah. he's, well, there's no, but there's no lore to it. I mean, basically, it's just somebody that was wronged, um, you know, it, it, in the past. I think the one thing I really loved about this this remake were the was the puppet show. You know, throughout the yeah, movie, I love the flashbacks. Did you guys see the very end? Yeah. Like, like watch, watch it through the credits. Oh yeah, no, I didn't. Do that. that was yeah. one of my favorite things because it oh, was showing it yeah, was showing the. The, the steps of uh, the transfer of the Candyman of what from these, other these, yeah what these human beings went through uh-huh. via puppets and yeah. I, like like to me it was it was so beautifully shot and I just like yeah I'm it, it, like I was into the movie the whole time because at the beginning it's kind of a slow burn a little bit I fucking love the beginning uh, like that opening scene did you um, with the distorted music playing the Candyman okay. music getting distorted the thing that fucked me up was was the very beginning when everything was flipped around i love it yeah, I, I, yeah. and i loved it too when, when i realized oh, that I oh it. it's a mirror thing okay yeah. so the first movie starts where oh yeah that's a mirror thing i didn't even get that that's that's yeah pretty, it's a mirror image yeah yeah that's that that's what it was and i, I was yeah. like am i watching the wrong fucking copy of this movie i, I was like <laughs> i thought the same thing i did the, the same first thing. movie the original does like a pan of like the city but it mm-hmm. does it from overhead. Right. It's from and down below. Fashion. So this one did it from down below, which is really It was. Cool. And, and man, I, I, damned if, if Jordan Peele didn't have his hands. I know he's a producer, but if he did not have some creative input on this, because the shots were very similar to what you see in Get Out and Us. You know, just mm. the close-ups, the, the the pans out, the the aesthetic of this. And, and, and Hydroberg, you were talking about you know, a couple of movies where you see the skyline of L.A., you know, just seeing the fog falling on to the shot. Chicago skyline was so yeah. beautifully shot, you know, and it's I, I give all the credit in the world to Nia DaCosta for doing that. But goddamn, if if uh, Jordan Peele didn't have a lot to do with that, you know, to kind of help her out and, you know, make it feel just kind of ominous. I really love the first opening scene, too, when you meet. um which you find out later is young Burke or mm-hmm. um, yeah. And you see, you meet Sherman for the first time and their interaction and Cabrini green. And like, I just thought that was really well done the way he's like hiding in the wall and you know, he comes out and it's just, you're just like introduced to this new candy man, I guess at some point, like. It's weird though, because there's no continuity there. I mean, I, I, I understand the lore of this guy, like, like being homeless or whatever, and just trying yeah. to, 
be helpful and he did nothing wrong. You know, the story behind this candy man that we get in this movie is he's accused of putting razor blades, you know, the whole, mm-hmm. you know, the, it's an the urban legend. Yeah. The urban legend of putting razor blades in candy and killing kids. You know, he had nothing to do with it. He was just a homeless man that was living in the wall of this building. And you go back to the nineties. It's it's the Daniel Robitaille. Who's the candy man at that time. So if you're going back to the seventies, that's one of the problems I had with it is that there's not no continuity. there. So Sorry, my throat's going. <laughs> <It's>... Oh, dear. <laughs> drink drink your tea. I got it. Well, I want to go back to something, John, that you said a few minutes ago, which is that there's not really any lore. It's just like a simple, straightforward thing. And I would I would disagree with that. Yeah, I think this I... I think this movie is like all about the lore. I just think it's I mean, it's it's easy to understand, I think, but it's not that doesn't mean it's like just because it's like simple or straightforward doesn't mean it's not there. I think this movie is all about like expanding the concept of Candyman from one single injustice in one one moment in time to a pattern throughout time, mm-hmm. you know, like tied to this one location, but uh, like a pattern throughout time of the suffering of Black people. Yeah. And, and that encompasses a lot of things. It's not just like being murdered. It's like policing, it's gentrification, it's slavery, the yep. original sin of America, it's lynching, it's the commodification of black people, it's the uh what's the appropriation of the work of black people, all of these things mm-hmm. tied up. And basically everyone who has like suffered unjustly from these things and and like been basically sacrificed in this particular space in this like physical location i think that like that is now the the expanded concept of candyman and so i think that's really the lore i think it's easy it's 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 made so clear during the film that it doesn't feel like it's anything hidden or something that you have to decode it's that's just my there point. but i think it's yeah yeah, that's my point. It's not a social commentary on it. It's not a lore. It, it's social. It, it's social issues that 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 have happened, you know, within this country specifically for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And it's right in your face. And to me, I I love that because it's just like, goddamn, people were really like this. It's not. It's, it's not so saying. It's it, absolutely I mean, recently yeah. what we experienced. And it's just that uh, we're not trying to go around this. We're putting this in your face. I think, and- yeah, I think Nick, I think you're exactly, I'm sorry, Hydra, I think you're exactly right. It's about how this is how people really were, but they still are. It's not yes. something that's just in the past. It's yeah. like, it's almost like America is haunted. Like that's or why America, Burke does America what he does. is cursed. Yeah. He feels like this community still needs Candyman. You know, we right, haven't exactly. learned. Yeah. And it's the, these atrocities are still happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this film does a pretty good job of tying in the events from the first film and building on the new lore and tying it all together. I mean, like John, you said, it, it is a little like, oh, wait, there. So there were several Candyman you're not aware of because we always just thought that Tony Todd's character was the Candyman. It just it, it was more of a continuity for me. Yeah. You know, uh, of understanding yeah, the movie. Like, like, like if you've never seen the original. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't understand who the fuck Tony Todd was. And then that, right. that we only mentioned that, him 
a little that's, bit anyway. Well, they, Daniel Robitaille, you know, you get a yeah. little bit, bit of explanation of how this elevated and seeing him at the end, man, I had the biggest smile on my face. I'm like, fuck yes, there he is. That was like a nice little bone to throw. Oh for like you didn't have to, like if you hadn't no. seen the original Candyman, you wouldn't know who that was, but I don't think it would have mattered too much. But for those of us who are very yeah. like, uh, you know, attached to that, I think it was a nice moment, I, but Sorry, go ahead, Cutterberg. I was just going to say, I do think that um, uh, Michael uh, Hargrove, he as Sherman, he played a really good Candyman. Like most of the scenes that we get Candyman in this movie are him, his Candyman. And like he's really effective in those scenes where he's just popping up in mirrors and he's got that weird smile on his face mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the whole time he's floating around. And I just I liked it. I agree with you because I, even at the beginning scene where the where, where the kid what was the guy's name that owned the uh, William Burke. Uh, William Burke. Uh, okay, so William Burke, the guy that that owned the laundromat, as a kid, sees this guy and totally frightened, but he's got a smile on his face, and this guy's totally innocent. However, he has a hook on his hands, but he has two hooks. Like like okay, this is this is my hand. It's not the Candyman hook, and you get introduced to that later. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the weird. So the actor who plays Sherman, maybe this was just me. I'd like to know what you guys think about it. But I feel like his his smile. It's like it was somehow menacing, but also yeah. like kind of friendly and like inviting yeah. at the same time. Was that just me, or did you guys feel that yeah. way too? I, I felt the same way. Absolutely. I, I mean, the guy. Like he was just a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> trying to give kids some candy. He's sort of smiling at. Uh, Anthony too because it's he's kind of like nodding to him like hey you know you're turning into me you're going to be the new candy man sort of but mm-hmm. also like he's menacing because right there, while he's doing that you know he's like fucking killing people in the yeah. most gruesome ways but when he was alive he wasn't well, I gotta true, say- yeah. and that was still menacing too yeah. and, in real life know. he was not a villain he was not no, a not at all not at all you know he's maybe a like little vagrant guy. because he was homeless or whatever I, I got to say is that we had watched Last Night in Soho last year, and this movie actually was made previous to Last Night in Soho. Mm. Um, God, I hate to say this, but man, I loved the mirror tricks in this. Yeah, me too. I liked them more than Last Night in Soho, and I thought the ones in Last Night in Soho were brilliant because they were all practical. So Yeah, that's we- saying a lot for you. Yeah. And, and for me, it just, it looked really good. I was never taken out of it. I mean, there was one scene where um, uh, Anthony went to the art critics house and doing kind, of, yeah, doing kind of an interview thing. And, you know, he's just kind of going crazy. Like he got stung by a wasp or a bee and it, it, it's starting to get de- decrepit and starting to, you know, he's starting to change into something and he sees Candyman and the mimic in the mirror, that was brilliant. Uh-huh. He you know, puts he his thinks, hand with the bee staying up to the mirror, and then Tony, uh, you know, the yeah. he's got the hook going. To he's the got the hook. He's got his hand up, and then thinks that woman dies, but she comes out and is like, "What are you doing?" But then you see Sherman in the mirror behind her, like kind of poking his head out. Like she's yeah. like, "Are you okay? What are you doing?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm all right." And then you see, yeah, and, and then, then the pan out scene of like when when Anthony leaves. Oh, I fucking oh love my that. god! That was so like good. such a great shot of just panning out from this like as soon as loft. He closes the door. Yeah, this penthouse loft, and it's just like you see her getting dragged across yeah. the window. I was like, "Fuck yeah, that was, was like, awesome!" I like that they pull back from it too. They don't show you yeah. exactly what's like you. You, can you don't see hear enough. anything. You just nope. hear kind of the, the yeah. ambiance of, like of the city of Chicago. So, what I love about when Anthony sees 
Sherman as Candyman in the mirror in the in his reflection. Candyman looks menacing to him. He looks like uh-huh. scary, right? And he's frightened. Uh, but at the same time, it's like it also is his, it's his reflection. And mm-hmm. so it's like a hint of what's coming that he right. himself is going to become the king. So it's like, it seems like it's something that is outside of himself that is externally frightening to him. But at the same time, it's something that he unknowingly is seeing in himself. In the yeah. mirror. I love that. And I didn't I like- get that the first time until the end. No, it makes a lot of sense too. That's why they use in mirrors too. You know what I mean? They see mm-hmm. in- and you guys are going to have to speak on that more because this is my first time watch. But I mean, th- th- there were a lot of conversations that actually came up at the end, you know, of, of somebody talking about, oh, well, uh, you know, an innocent man came after you or, or a guy came after you. That's why they shot your boyfriend. And then, you know, at the end, they had this. Uh, again, not social commentary, social issues of they were all white cops that came into this this building and just shot the guy. Even though he's yeah. laying there dead or or you think he's dead with his girlfriend and it's just like, oh, shit, this is not a social commentary. This is exactly what's going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah so I think that's like I, you're exactly right. And I think that's one of the real strengths of this movie is it's bringing it's it's portraying things that are very much in the like public common conversation right now but the thing about it is these are not new events with like black people being unjustly shot by police officers and gentrification of like impoverished neighborhood neighborhoods predominantly black neighborhoods um like housing projects like all of these things that this film is talking about are not new but they seem to be sort of newly like available to like the mainstream conversation. Whereas I think black people have been living these experiences for generations upon generations. It's like, like I said, it's like a curse. Mm-hmm. It's like the curse of America. Right. right. And so um, I think that's like a little bit about like what Candyman is about. It's like these things have been sort of hushed up in the past and now they're more visible Candyman in the film, as we learn from Anthony's mother, like they made a pact in Cabrini Green to never say his name. Yeah. Sweep it under the rug. We don't talk about Candyman. That's like their way of protecting themselves. But this in this film, this is where he's like re-entering. It's like he's brought back. And so I feel like it's kind of like a little microcosm of what he represents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was very interesting how they brought up Vir- Virginia Madsen, whatever her character name was in the original. That, that she, yeah, Helen, that that she was like possessed by Candyman. However, she was just trying to save this baby mm-hmm. <laughs> who happened to be Anthony. You know, yeah. and you find this out at the end, and it's just like, whoa, okay, that's that's really interesting. So it, it, it I don't know who said it, but like it, it really ties that original movie, which you need to watch into this movie really nicely. Like it, it, it's mm-hmm. not sloppy. It's, it's actually very uh, uh, masterfully done by Nia yeah. and, and just how she ties that in. I had a problem with some of the kills. Okay. Like my biggest, my biggest one was um, the high school girls. Okay. Well, 
Uh, okay, I, I I get the gore. Like if I were to re if I were to direct this, I would actually give you a bunch of like jump cuts to different people saying Candyman. You know, one person says Candyman, the next person while they're looking in the mirror. Even if you had like five girls sitting in the mirror, I thought it was just like a little too over the top. There are five girls, five, and then one of them leaves. They all say Candyman five times. I thought it would be more effective. Because it, I, you know, maybe it was like trying to give a little humor to the movie of like, oh my God, girl. Yeah, I can't believe I did that. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I, I think if it, this just will leaned a little more serious and just kept that, that flow going, I would have appreciated it more because, you know, the five girls just kind of took me out of the movie. It's like, oh my God, did you hear about Candyman if it's like five times? Yeah, in high school, that's how high school girls talk. No, no, I understand that. Because the one girl was at the art exhibit, right? So yeah, that's right. why she was looking up Candyman. She was interested in. She said, "Yeah, that kind of bothered me to too." Because there, there was this whole sexual scene. It was like, why is this necessary? What sexual you know? scene? Uh, what do you mean? At, at the art gallery. Where, oh, Clive you, and and Jerrica. Yeah, where they're kind yeah, of like different. Like like she straps him in. It's like I'm gonna say Candyman. She gets naked, and then all of a sudden. Which was I a cool love scene. The gallery scene. The, yeah, the cool, the, the cool amazing. part. Yeah, the cool part was the gore of it. You know, where it was kind of like paranormal, and the guy getting dragged, and her just getting sliced right away. But I mean, there were some unnecessary scenes. I thought, like, like with the girls in high school, it could have been like a couple of jumps scenes. They they showed up. Was it Anthony? No, the the kid's Damn. sister. And it's like, no, we're doing adult things in here. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. she got, she got cut. Mm-hmm. You know, she said Candyman five times and, you know, goes into the bathroom, sees blood all over and dead. I, if they would have done like a couple of different people doing that, would it look great? I don't know. I, li- I like that scene. I thought you'd never seen Candyman take out so many people really. And also <laughs> I liked, um, yeah, five the girls were kind of four. bitches too. They were nasty to the girl that was in the stall, right? That's you true. Know, but kind of got to come up just, with it just kind of, yeah. It, and it I like that when the compact falls, you don't actually see any of the kills, right? You just hear the right. fucking. That was a great shot. And you, by the way. you and see the a blood. little bit you in the, the reflection. Blood. You see like her body being dragged, yeah. right? Yeah. And the compact falls on the ground. Yeah. And you see the bees hitting like the, the yeah. mirror and like what the girl can see in the reflection. And I just yeah. thought that was pretty well done. And it's just mainly it's just showing that like Candyman's real and like people that need to start believing in him again. Cause like this major thing just happened in a public place. And five girls are dead now. So, like, the community is going to start fucking believing in it again. And they brought it back. But I, I thought it would have been more effective if, like, multiple people have died, like, like in different areas of Chicago or whatever you it was. to see their death separately. Like, they all spread Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it, it, this was a slaughter. It, it was yeah. like, you know, one girl's in the mirror in high school. Another uh, guy is at home. Taking a piss, brushing like his it. teeth. It's like, oh, Candyman, Candyman. And then all of a sudden, you know, you see multiple different murders at the same time. So I really love the well, uh, elevator. Oh, go ahead, Jack. Oh, no, that's okay. You, you are the elevator saying. scene when he goes to the uh, school to get the tapes for about Helen. And yeah. he's in the elevator, the old glass elevator. Yeah. It's just really effective the way that, that he finds that piece of candy falls out of the ground, you know, on the ground. He picks it up, cuts himself on the razor blade. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you see his blood drip on the ground, and then you see more blood drip, but you realize it's coming from above. Mm-hmm. He looks above, and then, like, I just love how, like, the lights go out, and you hear, like, this cracking glass sound or something. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, mm-hmm. really loud and, like, kind of makes like you, a like, crunching. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, crunching. You're, like, what the fuck's going on? And then finally the lights go back on, 
and he sees himself. That's the first time he sees himself as Sherman, yeah, or as Candyman. So I just thought that scene was really well done. I agree. I kind of want to go back to John, your commentary about the the murders of the girls. That did not bother me at all. Like I I thought. I liked the way the scene was shot and I actually thought the gore was outstanding the way that you saw it happening from underneath the bathroom stalls that you don't actually see the murders, but you see like, I mean, basically like a sheet of blood, like come pouring down. Right. I mean, it was so like disgusting and visceral, but I mean, it, I mean, it was just, it, it kind of shocked me. It made me gasp a little bit, but what I would say my biggest complaint about this whole film is actually the murder of William Burke's sister in the bathroom that he witnesses in in the 70s and and I have to give like a little bit of lead up to like why it bothers me Mm -hmm. Candyman in this film I think is more clearly defined than in the original as like an avenger for like injustices suffered by black people. Right. Like he almost become like in the original, he's like an urban legend that the people of Cabrini green use to like explain away the, the heart, the real life horrors of their daily lives. Sure. He's like, he's an urban legend. He's like a scapegoat. Like, Oh, there was a murder somewhere in the building. Oh, it must've been Candyman. when really it's like, there's five gangs living in this housing project. Like it's, it was a drug deal gone bad or something, whatever. Like it was a real life horror that happened, but Candyman gets the blame. And that's how his name is kept alive through these stories that are told by these people. In this film, I feel like he, he's crystallized more as like, this is a means of vengeance against the injustices that we have suffered and we're not getting that vengeance in any other way. Like crimes are being committed against us all the time in these various forms and not, there are no like ramifications for it. So that's why we need Candyman. So my problem in this film, my really my only serious problem in this film is that William Burke's sister, who is totally innocent, she's black, she hasn't done anything. She doesn't fit that purpose of Candyman. And I think in some way or another, all the other victims of this movie do fit that purpose. So Clive, the the guy who's curating the show or whatever at the art gallery, I don't know exactly what his position what was. What a prick that guy was, by the he way. He was such a prick. And he I was like very... Was Clive, though. That was a cool... Clive, yeah. Like a little nod to uh, Clive, Clive Barker. Barker. But so he's like... <laughs> he's basically trying to totally commodify Anthony and trying to get him to like exploit his experience as a black man to create Mm -hmm. better art for his show. And like, he's like, well, this is kind of played out. Can you like, you know, I want, you know, you're the next, I want the next black hope of Chicago. I mean, he's just very like objectifying to Anthony. So, you know, he's, he's getting his comeuppance. The girls, the high school girls, they're like nasty to the to the girl and to Trina, the the black girl in the bathroom. Like, yeah. fine, I don't, fine. So they get it. But like, the only thing that doesn't fit the pattern is William Burke's sister. So I, I, that's why I don't like that. I feel like it 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 undermines the 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 like understanding that I have of this movie and what Candyman represents. It fits the pattern of the original movie, which this movie still takes place in that same world. So. 
the fact that she you you summon him, you're going to get you're going to get killed. Like, even though, yes, he is being used more as like to right wrongs in the community and stuff like that in this film, it seems. But I think you're right. And that's my problem. That's my yeah. main problem with the original film. And, yeah. and I feel like this this film almost corrects that. And then, mm-hmm. but just one thing like is left behind. So in the original film, and I'm not the only person who has complained about this. No, it in the original people. film, like the whole reason Candyman, who in that film is only Daniel Robitaille, right? So he exi- Candyman exists because he was a black man who committed the ultimate sin, as as we're told. Of falling in love with this white woman and she gets pregnant and then he gets lynched by the people in the town right so he's unjustly murdered obviously and he like comes back in spirit and like takes his revenge by killing people who say his name but in that first movie the major problem is that most of the people that he kills are the black people who are living in cabrini green and they are not the people who are responsible for the injustice that he suffered so i think that there's like a disconnect there and i think that's like a major problem and so this film almost land was haunted almost like by his spirit so it's like wherever whoever lived there it is but there's something that but that's i think that's wrong to like okay. for that to be taken out on the the black the poor black people who are living there who are already Under, suffering enough understood so so what was the point of anthony being the sacrifice to candyman anthony you mean in the first film when he was a baby no i'm ta- i'm talking about i'm talking about this film they were talking about him that candyman daniel robitaille i guess because again, there's no continuity there. Of why would he take Anthony, the baby, away from his mother? Because there, there was a wonderful scene between Anthony and his mother. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like we don't speak of his name, but they talked about the lore. We're talking about the lore again of of you know, Candyman was trying to take Anthony as a sacrifice. However, <laughs> uh the other guy wants to make him the next Candyman. Uh, you mean Burke? The, yeah, yeah. That continue yeah. the lineage of Candyman. I mean, okay. it, and uh, then and then Helen was the one that saved him from the fire. Right. Um, the mom explained that. So I again, there's like like I'm a little confused. Yeah, it's it's confusing, and so I think that like in both films, the law, it's like the 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 lore of the first film doesn't like entirely fit with the lore of the second film. Mm -hmm. And so I I, like, I agree with you. I think in the first film, I think one of the major things about Candyman in the first film is like, and and this is explicitly stated. He he says like, I only exist when people talk about me and, and, and whisper my name and like talk about me in fear behind closed doors and in parties, you know, hushed parties and things like that. And it's like, he's being, he, he as like a malevolent spiritual force or whatever exists because of the stories that people tell about him. And, and so if people forget about him or they stop talking about him, he says, I must shed innocent blood because then that frightens people. And then they tell the stories again, and then he continues to exist. And so I think that's the, I think that's the story behind the baby is like, I need to sacrifice somebody innocent because that's going to scare everybody into telling these stories. Right. So, so because Anthony was rescued by Helen, you know, Mm -hmm. 
Helen is the the sacrifice in the original film and she becomes a candy man. Yeah, but this film. Yeah, but it it gives her it gives her the light of actually being the hero of saving baby Anthony at the end of pulling him from the fire, giving Anthony back to his mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, so or, you're exactly right. So in life, she is actually a, a hero. Right. But then after her death, she becomes like a killer. So she yeah. is like part of that Candyman mythos or whatever. And so it's weird because so it continues in a way, it's day. almost kind of, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. It's a it's, little. It's weird. Yeah. This film a, doesn't uh, recognize the two sequels, though. I think it's like a Halloween. I'm not talking about the sequels. I'm talking about the end of the first film. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I'm just like, you know. She kills her ex. You know what I did love? The little homage to the first film of where it's like the the face in the wall. And, um, you know, the guy comes through the way he walks through with this hook. Mm -hmm. I I thought that was like a really nice nod to that. If you right. also notice the uh, drawing of Candyman on the wall, that's the original concept art of uh, that Clive Barker came up with for. I didn't know that Candyman. That picture, I did of, like, it looked like bone around the eyes almost. Yeah, and yeah, that's the original concept art of what Candyman was supposed to look like. Cool. Yeah, cool. I didn't know that. So, I have a problem too with like Burke's plan. Mm-hmm. Like that's sort of one of the weaker parts for me. The ending of this film is is one of the weakest parts for me in, in my review but um like he he's presented to you as like uh, you know a neighborhood guy he seems okay and then his like turn at the end just seems a little forced like it just comes out of nowhere like he's just like oh i'm fucking loony by the way this whole time and i've been hiding it really well which is like okay we'll hide, <laughs> hide that but um why do we need to make a new candy man when the one that burke that um anthony summons is still killing people right. there is a candy man so it's not like he's not there like you know, fucking um, Sherman is Candyman in this film. Like he's killing right. the art critics. He's killing the fucking the gallery guy, like all the, the girls in the high school. So there is a Candyman doing that. Is mm-hmm. he only yeah, able it, to do that because there's a new Candyman about to transform? I, I don't get that part of the lore. Yeah. Anthony actually summons the Candyman. So then, you know, yeah, why is he? Yeah, there's a little confusion there. I, I actually Rihanna summons him in the end and he shows up and protects her instead. Right. right. Although the cops says the final Candyman, right? No, she says she Mirror. says it. I think. I think she says it one time. I thought she said it five times. I, Maybe I need to head. go back and count. No, I don't know. I, yeah, I think she said it four, and then the, uh, he repeats it once. So yeah, like, and then there's okay. the fifth. Kind of confusing now. Well, no, yeah, I, so I hear what you're yeah. saying, Hydraberg. It's like, like, why do we need this? And I feel like in some ways, Anthony was like, it's almost like Candyman marked him from the time that he was a baby that like maybe this was like his destiny and Mm -hmm. Candyman was always going to like get him but it wasn't Candyman who got him it was like so I think that this concept of like being marked or like chosen is I think that I think that's like what is being represented by his physical like decay like with that starts with the bee sting and then it kind of like infects his whole arm and then by the time he's you know uh, his hand is cut off by Burke and everything it's like spread to his face uh so i i I agree i think that like confuses things and i'm not sure like why it's necessary it's like really needed for this film to be honest like 
Well, I I, I, I do. I, I think he's he's be like, in he's the like story. the harbinger sort of right. I guess sort of. He's like, like a torchbearer, right? Like he's okay. the one who's sort of he's like the one who's the only one who's left who still remembers the story Burke, and is willing mm. willing to talk about it. Burke like everybody feels, else is like yeah. Burke hush, feels hush. more like a Renfield to Dracula. Yeah. I mean, he, he didn't feel like a harbinger. He feels like the the Renfield to Dracula continue the lineage. You know, um, does uh, okay. So does Anthony get stung after he summons Candyman? Yes. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So that's a little confusing, right? Yeah. And then so, that's when he decays. It's not because it's like he got stung by a bee, and then it's just you know all of a sudden he has these. Um, you know, uh, oh, I need to go to Cabrini Green. He summons Candyman. Then right. he goes to Cabrini Green, yeah. and that's where he gets his inspiration to paint these fucked up paintings of like, mm-hmm. you know, all the different Candymans. Mm-hmm. You get a little bit of the backstory, but again, I'm going to go to the very end, like the end credits of where you see in these puppet forms of how each, you know, era of Candyman developed. You know, it started with. Daniel Robitaille, you know, painting a girl and and getting her pregnant and getting his hand cut off and or arm cut off. And that's where the hook started. So and then that became the lore of Candyman is that, OK, you got to cut your arm off. And that's what Burke did. He, he's like, well, you're so decrepit now. I can just stick the, the hook really up your cool arm. Scene. It was. I mean, it was fantastic. It just. It had no continuity to it. It was like it does, yeah, it hey, a little out of place. It's like uh, you're the next Candyman. Yeah, Hyderberg, I I understand. It's like Candyman. All the the succession of people who are Candyman, you know, between Sherman Fields and Daniel Robitaille and all this, like th- they happen because of injustice, like things that unjustly happen to them. But Burke like sets up something and like forces this thing to yeah. happen, which I I don't love. I feel like that kind of villainizes Burke, yeah, and it's I like feel- it's not an it's not it's not a purely external thing that happens to Anthony. You know what I mean? And yeah, now you've so, sort of made the villain of the film an African American, also. Yeah. So I I agree with you. I'm not sure why it has to be that way. I mean, I think it's an interesting idea that this is kind of like a full cycle sort of thing that like Anthony as a baby was supposed to be sacrificed to Candyman. And it's like come back to haunt him as though it's like sort of this inevitable stain, almost like the whole Candyman thing is a stain on Cabrini Green. So, I mean, I it's I'm not saying it's not interesting. I just don't know how like i just i just don't know you know, it's a little forced to be honest like uh like it, you know it's a plot device basically so that they can have a new actor play Candyman in new films you know basically so that what do we do we rewrite the lore a little bit of Candyman. we make it so that he's been different people throughout the ages right and then now we have a new actor but the the, the vehicle that they use to make him the new Candyman just doesn't really add up when you start pulling out his threads a little bit i feel like with burke's like plan not at not at all because Burke was the kid that saw horrible, the guy that got yeah the the, the 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 guy that got killed by the cops in 1977 of Cabrini Green um, in the original Candyman Daniel Robitaille was always the Candyman 
you know, yeah. let's forget two and three, but like in the original, because they're basing it off of, you know, what would you call it? A recall yeah. <laughs> or something like That's that. Term Who knows? There's too many yeah. terms. <laughs> yeah. and, it, and it's just like, okay, so Daniel Robitaille was the original, but there was like maybe two in between before this other guy became it. And then I suspect there's Anthony. a lot more even than that. Do they I mean, take shifts? Like does Daniel Robitaille get vacation what? days? And then no, 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 no. It, if you want. <laughs> If you watch the the end sequence is like, like with the puppets, it was brilliantly set out because it was, you know, they showed Daniel Robitaille and then you see, see, I I think maybe what was a kid or a teenager riding on a bike. It was a kid. They show his reflection. Yeah. And and the thing was, is it was like, um, you know, with the puppets, you see this girl pointing at him, you know, and then he became it. And like at the end, you just see them all pop up. And then all of a sudden, you see this whole mess in in puppet form of Candyman, mm-hmm. and it was like it looked really really good, but it's just like it didn't make any sense. It, it, it was like if you're basing it off of the original from what 1992, and then you're going back to 1977. I mean, the continuity there just doesn't fit, mm-hmm. and that was a problem for me. It is mm-hmm. for me too. I don't necessarily agree that having multiple candy men, candy men, candy mans. I don't know. Candy mans. I, <laughs> I don't necessarily agree that it doesn't fit or that there's not continuity. I think it's just showing us like more that we can accept was there before. And just like, you know, the, the first film existed as like one story and this is just like, Oh, there, there's, there's more, more all around this. And I can accept that. Here's um, here's where I agree with you real quick, Jacqueline, is that at the very end when they show Tony Todd as Daniel Robitaille, that yeah. that's your original Candyman. This is this, this is your lore. This is your the yeah. your your phantom. This like the is, history like, is all here. Right. So so cool. showing Tony Todd at the very end, like did a lot for me of like going, OK, I can accept that. But the fact that it, it, and what they showed, like with the puppets is like, you know, it's progressed. It's different faces. However, this is your candy man. This is your your boogeyman or whatever you want to call it in this story. Yeah, right. Right. So I I can I can I, I actually don't mind Anthony becoming a candy man. I think it's like, like it, it fits. It fits with what the film is saying about like this continues to this day. But my problem is with Burke being the like catalyst or whatever yeah. that sort of makes it happen. I feel like Burke should have been left as the character who like remembers the truth of what happened when nobody else is talking about it. And the one who like tells Anthony all about it when nobody else and, will tell him his own mother lied to him, like kept him like reserved him for that purpose. And then like if Anthony had been killed by police just organically without Burke's influence, maybe because of the art show and the people continuing to die and somebody like putting it together wrong and saying, Oh, he's it's because of him that these people are dying in his art show. Like if that had somehow led to like police storming his apartment or something. Um, I just wish Burke, I wish Burke had not been involved in Anthony's death. That's what yeah. I wish. Was I, Burke I think, the one that made the call? Because like one of yes. the cops said, oh, okay, okay. But it, I didn't get that the first time. I, I didn't either. I got that the like, second time. He put okay. on, he disguised his voice and sounded like kind he of a, like an erratic, a white oh my God. guy. Yeah. He's, oh. yeah. <laughs> like what he's down here about, killing man? people. And oh my goodness. Got a hook for a hand. Yeah, exactly. But we don't see his face when he's making that call. We, no, we're, I think we're looking at Anthony or no, we're looking at Bree and we hear his voice. And then, 
it cuts to him as he's hanging up the phone, but we don't actually see him making the call. So I missed that oh, the first I, um, time around. Because I was like, why did the police just come? How did Burke know this was going to happen? And, but the second time, it, it made sense. To touch back on uh, Anthony's transformation, I really like the transformation throughout the film uh, from beasting to, you know, all the other body horror that starts happening to him. Like, I like, I, I mean, I do have a complaint that like, dude, that beast thing got nasty in like 24 hours and nobody mentions a goddamn thing about it. Like, Hey, go get that checked out. It's like really bad. <laughs> but then like the look of it, you know, it's like, it's like a beehive or. I've had that too. Yeah, like a honeycomb or something like that. Yeah. yeah it's old. really cool the way they did that. Yeah, that looked that, good. Just that was hideous. That, yeah, yeah, it, it was. Absolutely uh, hideous. And the way he's just like starting to lose it all the time, like just, you know, socially and the way he's speaking and his, his visions. Like, I just really like the transformation to watch him like escalate and go further into madness, I feel like, into this mm-hmm. character of Candyman. I'll tell you I, what. I agree. Yeah, I'll tell you what really bothered me is that that his girlfriend and him had this argument, like because she had saw all the the uh, the paintings that he did of the different candy men. Um, and he broke all the mirrors because she wanted to say Candyman. And he woke up the next morning and he had glass in his hand. I was like, oh, God, that was brutal. I was just yeah. like, I, I cringe so bad. Me too. There's some yeah. really good shots in this film. Oh my God, the way this cinematography was perfect. I mean, there was nothing wrong with the cinematography. And like, like they, you saw the mirror stuff. And like I said before, it's like, to me, this was a little bit better than um, uh, uh, Last Night in Soho, just the way it looked, you know, the, the, the movements. And you don't see anything, but all of a sudden you see, if you look in a, a window or something like that, you see Candyman dragging this guy by his you know, into his ankle, dragging him, the, the, the curator of that art museum. So, oh my God, look mm-hmm. good. Yeah, it's, I think it was a really beautiful looking film. It was very like polished and everything you could tell was very deliberate, right, like, very yeah. deliberate choices being made. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, one thing I do like, um, like this film has a lot to say and that's what's really cool about um, just the horror genre in, in general that like you can you can get creators that want to say something and and there's so many different subgenres in horror and you can really you can say something in, in your films. I mean, sure, you could just have slapstick gore and boobs and stuff like that, but there's so many horror films that do have social commentary or or something you know poignant to say about society or an issue. Mm-hmm. And it's just really cool to have this genre that we all love to people can use that, you know. Totally. And I, I think that's why this it's so important that this film was made by a black filmmaker, because yeah. the I think the first the original Candyman film is like try, it like tries to say something about the black experience, but it was made by a, a white filmmaker. And so there's a, a separation there. There's like a, a barrier they didn't have a voice in the 90s the way they do now in hollywood yeah and so yeah and so like you can tell in the first film it's like it's obvious that you know you're supposed to feel like it's unjust that daniel robitaille was murdered and that's why he's like come back but i feel like that's kind of where it ends almost and and like the that film has a lot of like stereo like black stereotypes in a negative way and like i think there are a lot of black people in that film that we're supposed to like be afraid of 
and it's like the the fear of like the urban like yeah the well, the, the, the housing projects white like woman a really in the scary place yeah like, it can be like if it's supposed to feel very dangerous and but the protagonist of that story is white Mm-hmm. And so you're identifying with her as you're watching the movie and you're supposed to be like afraid for her when she goes into this like impoverished black dwelling. Right. But in this film, like the protagonists are black and we're seeing things from their perspective. And so I think that is so much more fair. It's so much more meaningful. We're getting the story told by the people that it's about. Mm-hmm. And that's really, really important. And so I think that's that is a huge success for this film that doesn't happen in the original. I think it does multiple things. Is that that you know the African American community is is actually very well represented in this. That mm-hmm. that you know the fact that they have white cops like coming in and just like shooting. Mm-hmm. Like this, Anthony's laying on the ground. He's it, there's no threatening. And his right. girlfriend is just holding him, you know, and it's just like, you know, what Nia did with this, it, it was so sensitive to everything that it, it felt like it's not a social commentary. This is social issues. You know, this is what happens. This is mm-hmm. exactly what happens to people in the community. It's like, whoa, whoa okay. It, it hit my heart. I was just like, oh, my God, I've, I've seen this, but it didn't take me out of the movie. Yeah. And, it, you know, I don't feel like it comes across as like preachy. I feel like this not is at just all. like. Not at all. But um, it's like, it, it is in your face of like, this is exactly what we're telling you. Oh, yeah. it's. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's clear. It's not mm-hmm. like a hidden message. <laughs> no, I mean, um, it's like you've seen a lot of movies where they have social commentary. And to me, there's a big difference between commentary and issues. You know, she puts the issues out there and. I think it's fantastic the way she does it because she's very sensitive about it. However, this is what's really happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, that's, that's probably, I think one of the most important things about, about the film is what it's trying to say and who's saying it. Yep. So, yep. Anything else, any other major points that you guys want to talk about before we give our ratings? I fucking love Tony Todd at the end. That yeah. made me smile so big. I do too. Oh, and that reminds me. Sorry, go ahead, Heidelberg. I interrupted you. No, I was just going to say I, I do too. The fact that he shows up the once it, it feels a little bit like fan service, but I, you know, you know, you kind of take you, it. You're waiting for him to show up. I also love that pan around scene of like when he when Anthony does finally become Candyman and he kills the cops and just like the brutality of the scene. And then when he walks around the car speaking about you know like basically like what Candyman is. And like mm. you see the images of the other candy men in the mirror. I, just, I mean, of the glass. I just really like the way that scene was shot. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, another thing I forgot to mention is that I love the reappearance of the actress who plays Anthony's mother. Because yeah. that was the same actress Vanessa that, Williams. that played. Yeah. Not not the Vanessa Williams who was like no. Um, no, the Miss America yeah, or the whatever. But the other one. It's, um, I just have to say, she looks exactly the not same aged. 30 years later. I mean, she's, a, she's a gorgeous woman and she, she looks fantastic. Oh, how, my I'm God. Saying, if you just saw her walking down the street, you'd be like, how could this woman have a 30-something-year-old son? Yeah, like, yeah. that's that's his they sister. Like they were that's the not same his age. mother. Yeah, yeah exactly. Was, exactly. They look uh, like they're the same age. Yeah, I was thinking to myself, is she single? 
Yeah, right? she's very pretty. Uh, gorgeous. She yeah. is gorgeous. Yeah. Oh my god. Beautiful. But I I was actually almost more excited to see her role in the film than Tony Todd because she had more of a role than Tony Todd. She did. It was emotional. But did you notice the Jordan Peele influence to it? Because it was that close-up shot because they were both crying and the tear coming down the eye. And he's done that in Us and Get Out. (laughs) Where it was just that that, that close-up of the tear coming down the Oh my God. I was like, nice little homage there. You know why she looks so young, right? Because black don't crack. Mm. Mm-hmm. They do say that. They I do. just think she's gorgeous. Sorry. That is a thing that is said. <laughs> she look, her skin looks amazing. I'm going to oh be honest. Like she looks so young. She just, I mean, she looks exactly the same. It's yeah, crazy. that was a great scene, though, between those two. I wish she was in it a little bit more, to be honest. I would have welcomed that. And I think like maybe she was a phone such an call or just something like, you know, she really... might have been your harbinger, though, because she she gave the yeah. explanation of what was going on. Yeah. You know, of like, you know, this is why we don't talk about it. And then she explained of why Helen saved or, or, or that Helen actually saved him from the fire. So, yeah, you know, that's interesting because she's the one who tells the truth about what Helen did when right. earlier, like towards the beginning of the movie, um, Troy Bree's brother tells the story of Helen, but he tells it in a way that's not actually what happened, but this is the way the legend has like morphed over time. Right. He tells they it should... as though Helen is actually the villain who kidnapped the baby and tried to like attack. Burn the baby. And... Yeah. And really she had the hook on her hand and blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah. Cause you remember in that film, they did think that she was like, that she was the murderer. Yeah. And... Cause Candyman set her up basically. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Anthony's mother is the one who tells the truth. So it's just, I love that. That's like, at at the time and in, in the first film, like Candyman was being blamed for things when he was really the victim, and in this film, Helen is being talked about as though she was the killer when really she was like the sacrifice in that film. Which that but doesn't who was really the fit Candyman. The yeah, who was the Candyman at that time? Robitaille. Oh, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, in the first one. Well, no, no, no. I'm talking about this one. Who was oh. the Candyman? So he must have been. Two, I don't know. Back in the nineties, I'm not sure what you're getting at. Yeah, what are we talking about? I've lost a step. Okay, well, what I'm saying is that okay. So in the original film, it was Daniel Robitaille that was mm-hmm. the Candyman. Yeah, but yeah. 1977 was this other guy. You know, this, Sherman. Yeah, the Sherman guy. I don't know. It just didn't tie together for me. So it's a, that's a problem of the movie. That's, so that's my point. I, I see what you're saying now. I think what might have been interesting would have been to see like maybe five or six different candy men appear at different times during sure. this film, yeah. like in response to different things instead of focusing just on Sherman. Mm-hmm. I, so I don't know if like Hyderberg, what you said before, if this is like setting up for future Candyman sequels where like each one focuses on a different one. Mm-hmm. I kind of hope that's not what happens, but I think it would have been cool if actually oh, you want to see like were... a Candyman Western or something like that. No thanks. But <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it could have been really cool if you know throughout the movie different people were summoning him and it, here it's Daniel Robitaille and here it's Sherman Fields and here it's this person and that person because we're told about several people that like there's multiple candy men. Yeah. I would have liked to sort of see them all in this within the same story. What sure makes one candy man stop being candy man and the next person take over? I don't I don't think it works that way. Yeah, you think I they're don't... still all doing it? Yeah. That's why Sherman's yeah. still there. 
because what would be the reason for them to stop like that doesn't the because the pain lingers forever right that's kind of the the point so i think they're they all like coexist it's a hive like burke says yeah well i i think what they show in the puppet thing at the at the end sequence or the end credits is that you know everybody has been done wrong which i get i totally get that is that you know okay so it kind of i don't want to say possesses you but it you become Candyman after this happens to you in this Cabrini Green area. Um, but it's just like, okay, so uh, Burke foresaw what was going to happen to Anthony. And okay, now you're the Candyman. Yeah, but Anthony was wronged by Burke. It wasn't even like a societal thing. He was well, because no, he was, his, well, he was murdered art. by police. He but, was but, murdered but, by police. No, I, he, yeah, was, I mean, he, he totally already, was. But Burke made done. him Candyman before it even Yeah, happened. that's what I mean. It's so weird. So my, he, he, he like got decrepit arm and cut off his arm and then put the hook in there and put the uh, overcoat on him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, got he was dead already. But he got shot as his girlfriend's holding him. And it's just like, okay, it, it, uh, I'm sorry. It, it, I keep repeating myself. It just doesn't make sense, which is my problem with the movie. So, Also, Hyderberg, I think I'm going to answer a question that I think you're asking. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm going to answer what I think you're asking. So Burke, okay, let's back up to when Anthony goes to talk to his mother. And yeah. he's, he's speaking with her and he's like, was I really born at the hospital in Caprini Green? And she's like, I didn't tell you. I wanted you to have a normal life. And he's like, oh, no. And he realizes, like, he's part of this story, like, unwittingly. He's, whether he likes it or not, he was, like, from the time he was a baby, he's been a part of this story. And he's, I think he's kind of realizing that he's, like, marked for this, right? So then we see him, and he's almost kind of in a fugue state. He's, yep. like, he seems kind of entranced somehow. He goes back to Cabrini Green. He's wandering through the row houses, and he and he goes, and he finds Burke. And then that, it cuts away, and we don't see his conversation with Burke. But then, so then, then we cut to Bree, and she and Troy are moving her shit out of the apartment or whatever. And then Bree goes to find him. She goes to Cabrini Green. What I really think happened is that Anthony went to Burke and told him that he found out that he was the baby that was taken 30 years earlier. And I think at that point, Burke realized this is the child from back then. And, and he, at that time he was like, this is going to be the new Candyman. And I think he was almost like a catalyst, like trying to speed up the process. And that's when I think he like had like, kind of went loony as you said before and they like, this it, plan to make yeah. to like set him up to get shot by the police they sort of make it like he was like it was a master plan he's had all along like when he first meets uh anthony and cabrini green it's like he already knew that anthony was in town and who anthony was which seems a little bit unbelievable so maybe the way that you mentioned it makes it would make more sense if that's really how it was i thought okay. it was like a coincidence that he, yeah. he met burke and talked to him and then because Bur- burke says something like Oh, I I always knew that I would find you, or I always knew that that I would find the baby, or something like the that. So this, like, this is actually making more sense to me because Daniel Robitaille is Candyman, but Candyman passes his lineage on to other people that have been wronged. Okay, so mm-hmm. so so the other guy was actually from what Burke saw was you know this guy of of, of being wronged. However. Daniel Wobatai was always Candyman. 
But but anybody that's but it just uh, why, why, I'm getting why? a who's on first vibe going on. Right yeah, now. I know. It feels also, like I think it, it I really think does. <laughs> I'm a little think, confused. <laughs> so I don't think Daniel Robitaille made Sherman a candy man. I don't think Daniel Robitaille makes Anthony a candy man. So the question is saying, like, how how is a candy man made? Oh, no, no, no. no. I, I'm saying Daniel Robitaille is the essence of candy man. Okay. Maybe he allows the, people. It's who a different face. It's come back. Uh, as it, it, it's a different face. However, Daniel Robitaille is the original Candyman because he was done the most yes. wrong. Yes, he's the original. But I, I think it's more, I don't think it's like him passing anything on. I think it's more like, um, in a very negative way, like joining a club. It's like. I'm, I, no, 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 no. I'm not saying that at club. all. Yeah. That, that, I would I'm like saying- to be a fly on the wall in the break room of like the Candyman place where they all get together. And they're like, hey, the break room. Like how, did your, how did your shift go? Oh, mine was pretty good. <laughs> I like hooked a couple people. Oh god, yeah, we're getting off track here. Sorry, Jacqueline. Take over the sh- take over the show. There are a couple holes in the in the story. Yeah. It feels like, but it, I feel- still, it's a really well made film. So I agree. Yeah, I agree. like I sort of gave like I don't think all the pieces quite fit perfectly together. They fit together better after a second watch for me. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe John, that's what you need. But I do. Um, I absolutely do. I agree with that. They, they fit better than I thought after a first watch, but, um, but I almost like, I can, I can set that aside somewhat because of how brilliant it is. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So it's like, I, I can sort of accept the piece. I can sort of grudgingly accept the pieces, not totally fitting the way that I want them to, because who cares what I want, you know? So anyway, I anything else to, to throw in the, Seriously, who cares? Cody's odd. Hell yeah. <laughs> Any other uh, last minute things to throw in the ring before we, we rate the, the film? Let's review this thing. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, I'll go first if you don't mind. Yes. All right. Um, I mean, I, I talked a whole lot about this. I spent, a, I spent a lot of time thinking about this movie and I'm glad that I watched it for the first time a couple of weeks ago and then rewatched it this week. <clears throat> Honestly, I've probably spent more time thinking about this film than any other film that we've reviewed. Really? And I still feel like there's more to like dig into. You and so I'm Kelly? sorry. If... <laughs> Believe it or not, I actually think there was more meat to, to be like dug into in this film than thanks Kelly. Yeah. Oh, meat me. on the bone. Surprise, surprise. On the bone. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and and I there's I think there's like way more even that that we didn't get into and um, but I I think that before I saw this film for the first time, I was very nervous about how this one was going to tie in the story from the first one because I feel like in a lot of these sequels or requels or reboots or whatever you want to call them i don't fully understand the distinctions between all those but in a lot of these it's very clunky and you feel like it's kind of forcing the old story in to make the new story happen it's like they wrote the new story first and they're like oh how are we going to make this fit the old one in this film i actually feel like it's pretty successful i think it it doesn't feel like it forces the the story and characters and lore from the first film it it feels like an expansion and and in a way that that works i think this is a rare case of that working well so it was a pleasant surprise for me i thought all of the actors were incredible 
in particular, I really enjoyed the, the actor who played William Burke. I thought he had like a sort of gravitas to him that I liked. And I liked just the way he portrayed that character. Creepy as fuck. Yeah. So I just all of the all of the actors. I really I actually I really liked Troy. You know, these some of these supporting characters, I still feel like they really shined in their own way. So really quick brother. Yeah, they didn't lean too much into that, though. I I, I don't think we brought that up enough is that, 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 you know, stereotypes of of what they would have done back in the 90s. You know, we're in 2022 or I guess 2021 when it was Mm -hmm. made is that. I kind of love that the the inclusiveness of that. You didn't look at that. You just saw a supportive brother, you know, that, that was it. You didn't see the relationship. Uh, Troy was the brother, right? Yeah. Of what's her name. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And, and it was like, like, I love that. You know, are you talking about him being being gay? Yeah. Yeah. I I, I mean, it was like, they didn't lean into that at all. You know, he was just being a supportive brother and, you know, I kind of like the progressiveness of where movies are going right now that they don't lean too much into that like you yeah, can have yeah. a gay character without the story being about him being gay yeah. Yeah, I mean? yeah exactly it's, right. ju- it's just like he's just there that's like just that's not that's, that's not the role that's not the role he he's there to play it's just no because you didn't even yeah. think about that like at the beginning of the movie when they had their their party talking about the uh uh yeah troy actually brought up the Candyman story so right Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, um, John, I, I totally agree with you. I think that's that's definitely a step forward in progress that maybe yep. we wouldn't definitely haven't didn't see 30 years ago. That's for sure. <laughs> or even um, like 10 years ago. Right. So, no, yeah, there there is progress. But so all of the acting performances I really enjoyed. Um, I had never seen the actor who plays Anthony before, but I I thought he w- he played the role in a very um endearing way like I cared for him I was worried about him and um I like I wanted to protect him and I, I he really evoked a lot of emotions in me so I I thought the acting performances were great I've already kind of talked about like what I think is brilliant about the what the what the lore has kind of become I've already talked about my problems with some of the what I think are like little gaps or things that don't quite fit a pattern that's fine. Um, I will say as, as kind of a, a slight negative of this film, there's something magical about the first film, the original Candyman from 92, that like, it's like a combination of the music and the, the like the visual, just the visuals of Cabrini Green in the original and the, like the high rise and everything just kind of fits together and it creates this very haunting mood in me. And I feel like something about this film, it just doesn't quite do that. Maybe like maybe if they had reused the score, the musical score from the first film throughout the whole film, maybe that would have done it for me. I know they use it kind of in the end credits, but um something about that just doesn't quite gel. So even though I think it's a really brilliant movie, it doesn't have that like haunting melancholy sort of like dagger to my heart. And maybe that's not this, maybe that's not a problem with this film. Maybe that's just my personal emotional attachment to the original. I'm not sure. Um, A huge plus to this film. I, I love the shadow puppets as a means of telling the history that, that led up to 
the events of this film. Um, I think it's a, a lovely, gorgeous way to show all this historical violence without having to like replay the whole thing for us in bloody, vivid graphic display. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, it, it, it's, it's violent, but it's also like beautiful in a way. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, a really kind of um, creative method of storytelling. So I, I appreciate this movie so much more upon the second viewing. I think this is a movie I will definitely rewatch periodically. And I think continue to glean more and more from it. Um, I think it, it was just a beautiful like expression of voice by Nia DaCosta. I love the way she she made this. You guys already talked a lot about the cinematography. I think the script, which was written by her and Jordan Peele and one other guy whose name I can't remember. I think it... it uh, Wayne does... Rosenfield. Rosenfield. That's it. Yes, thanks. I, I think it was a really smart script. Again, I think there's some imperfections, but I yeah. those don't... Those matter a lot less to me now than they did uh, a couple of weeks ago when I first watched the film. So... All in all, I, I think this was like a really worthy follow-up to the original Candyman. I basically pretend like parts two and three don't exist. So I've seen them <laughs> once. Movie. We're I've not talking them, about those. I've seen those films once and that was really more than enough. And I just kind of don't, <laughs> we don't talk about two and three. But this film, I think, is a worthy successor to the original. And I give it eight out of 10 bloody hooks. Whoa. Sweet. Yep. Hydroberg, what about you? Yeah. Um, I have a lot of the same uh, sentiments that you have. Uh, fantastic cinematography. I also think uh, I, I am DB'd her. The Costa, she hasn't done a ton of work, but man, like they gave her this film and she, she knocked it out of the park, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, obviously, yeah, she had she was uh, key in uh, creating the script as well. So that helps. You know, she was from the ground up, basically yeah. putting it together. And she must have had, you know, she had a vision for it. But like just the directing in this film is really well done. That was one of the first things that that caught my eye when I saw it in theaters, just how well made of a film it was, you know. And it's, you know, we expect horror movies sometimes to be a little bit like uh, like we give them a pass. I think sometimes we're like, oh, it's a horror movie. But that's not an excuse. I mean, it's a movie. And this movie is really well done. Even if you're not into horror, I think you could enjoy this movie. Um, I love the score and the sound design. There's some scenes in particular that are really creepy. Like when the high school curls get killed and you see that sheet of blood, there's like a goopy noise to it where it's just like thick. You can hear the thickness in it. And it's just like so it hits, man. You're just like, oh, my God. Imagine if you're in that room, you hear those noises. (laughs) And yeah, the score in general, like you said, maybe it wasn't quite as good as as the first one you know, where it, it kind of stings you, you know, pun intended, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> it's still, it's still really well done, especially in that opening sequence. I thought too, with the upside down um, camera, um, there's some killer acting also by the entire cast. Um, all the characters are really well done. You know, even the smaller characters like Troy, the brother and his lover. Um, I don't know that guy's name, but he was, he was funny. Grady. Um, Grady. Yeah. Um, they were good. You know, even the douchey characters like the art gallery guy, you know, he He's a good character. Like you get, you enjoyed seeing him die. Yeah, for sure. You know? um, and I really think the lead, I think he kills it. You know, his descent into madness is just very, it's very believable. It's not over the top. He doesn't go out of, out of his way to, he doesn't like chew the scenery too much, but you know, he definitely commands like the scenes that he's in. And I really enjoy it. I'd like to see more of that actor. 
Um, mm-hmm. I think for the most part, the writing's great. I, they did a great job bridging the gap between the first film and this new one. You know, we've pu- we've pulled some some holes, some holes, you know, some threads. And obviously you can do that with any movie. But overall, I think the writing's really well done. Um, I just and I also love Anthony's transformation into Candyman. Just the, the physicality of it, like the body horror element. I just really dug. I thought the special effects, they were pretty good. They're not over the top, but they're like you said, they're they're gruesome looking, you know. Fucking gross. Uh, my cons i have a couple cons i felt like the ending felt a little forced like i just felt like the script in general just could have been a little tighter like maybe another pass and some of those problems that we have with it could have been ironed out but it's not a huge bump um burke's plan to turn anthony into candy man i just feel falls it falls a little short too as you pull out its threads uh like you know like i said why does he need to turn anthony into a new candy man when obviously there still is one in sherman also burke uh just kind of going Looney Tunes at the very end just seems a little off, you know, like we didn't really see that progression of that character do that. He just sort of loses it out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. I felt like that. I don't think it was needed for the film. Uh, And Brianna's backstory with her father just felt. Oh, um, yeah. Shit. We totally didn't talk about that. It wasn't really utilized too much. Like it gives us some information on her, but I don't really feel like it serviced anything in the story that much or made her character anymore enjoyable i liked her character already you know well um, maybe maybe because he was an artist that's no yeah that i got i got that for him she's got baggage that she deals yeah, with you know yeah i think it has something to say but i think it could have been explored a lot more yeah and, like connected directly to the rest of the story it's just it yeah. feels very separate yeah know. or like i thought she was going to have like a flashback or something in the end very end that like a revelation about it was going to tie into candy man somehow or yeah. something or i don't know it just didn't it felt a little like wasted I, I i totally agree with you like yeah. um troy says one line that's something like you don't need to be present for every tortured artist uh-huh. like, going nuts or something like yeah. that have, having a psychotic break so we get her drive i guess so why she, maybe she's in the industry that she's in and what she does or how she's you know how she's gotten there but yeah. i don't know it just felt like kind of wasted story like we could have developed more i didn't dislike it i just felt like you didn't go anywhere with it though yeah. so um you know other than that it's a really good film uh with that said i also am going to give candy mang to uh 2021 8 out of 10 bloody hooks rad cool we're on the same team here heidelberg yeah all right johnny what do you think you ready for this i'm ready mm. oh, the continuity to me was the biggest problem acting fantastic script fantastic uh aesthetic of the movie fantastic uh what am I missing here? That one of my favorite lines of the movie was the white woman goes to Anthony and says, Oh, you people all do the same thing. And he looks at her and goes, You people. It's like, yeah, you artists just like capitalize on everything else. Like you artists. It's so I thought that was like actually a really brilliant line. We did bring it up. Um, mm-hmm. we can we can go back to any classic horror movie is like. How did Michael Myers learn how to drive when he's been institutionalized <laughs> for 20 plus years or 15, the logistical 16? details? Yeah, exactly. Right. He's true so, evil. He's true evil. How did Candyman go from body to body? And uh, God damn, this movie is so good. Everything you guys said, you know, there are problems with this movie. Uh, the act, brr, man, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm finding very 
little holes in this movie and Nia did a fantastic job. So simply, I'm going to give this a 9.5 out of 10 bloody hooks. Whoa. That's way this higher a, than you. You sound like you were leading towards lower yeah. than that. I, I, I was. Gonna... Oh, well, no, no, no. For me, I want to watch this multiple times. I want to see anything that I missed. Um, I mentioned my problems as far as the continuity, but what horror movie doesn't have plot holes and continuity issues? It's like, yeah. All of them. Some of my favorite movies don't land the ending sometimes either. You know, like exactly the hard to land in films sometimes. And I'll tell you right now, is like seeing Tony Todd at the end. You know, I'm not being funny about this. It was like awesome to see him, but it also gave me that. Okay, so Daniel Robitaille is the for me the essence of what Candyman was, and then like seeing Candyman. Yeah, the the puppets at the end of (laughs) I like seeing the stories of how they became. The Candyman, mm-hmm. it, it was like, it was really good. I mean, this nicely picked, Jacqueline. Thank I mean, you. This is, this is a wonderful movie. So I'm, I'm, pissed at my, I'm pissed at myself, though, that I didn't catch that um, scene after the credits. I bought the Blu-ray, though, so I'll, I'll just go back and watch it. You can change your score later. So there you go. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of trivia to this. There's there's a there's a fair amount. Uh, I, I don't think it's excessive. I'll just kind of read the most interesting ones. But um, let's see. So production was actually so the, the film was filmed at Cabrini Green, just like the original one. Uh, it looks different now. So the high rises that we saw in the original, those are gone. But we do still see the row houses where um, William Burke still lives and everything. And we, we have several scenes there. So uh, at one point, William Burke is seen in the laundromat reading a Clive Barker novel, Weave World. <laughs> so that's a nice reference to nice. the the. So if if we hadn't explicitly stated this, for those who might not know, Clive Barker wrote the short story that the 1992 film Candyman was based on. It was called The Forbidden, and interestingly, that short story is not set in america and it's not about black people it's about poor people in england um so the the whole like introduction of like black history into it that was done by the the filmmakers of the 1992 version they just like changed the focus of the story but nonetheless clive barker is responsible for the the original like kernel of the story so william burke is reading the clive barker novel weave world and of course we have a character named clive in the story although he's kind of a douche so I don't know. Uh, the crew, according to Nia DaCosta, the crew actually encountered a bee infestation during filming. So Whoa. that sucks. Fuck that. Yeah. These, I mean, were, these are there. How many physical bees did they actually use as opposed to digital? That I don't know. I mean, all the ones that are like swarming around the hook and like coming up to the mirror and stuff, those are obviously like CGI, but I don't know. Maybe they had a real hive of bees. Because for- you've heard about Tony Todd in the first one, right? I got to oh, yes. admit, the only bug I hate is a bee. Really? Like I a bee, I, I'm like a girl. I'm like, no, stop it. Oh. <laughs> I'm not allergic. If you don't bother anything. them, they don't come after exactly. you. Exactly. No, like, but they, those still. motherfuckers like fly near they you. I'm like, no. But the minute you swat one, then it's going to sting you. And then you. Yeah. Bite and, well, yeah. and then I end up getting stung. I mean, is there a bug that you guys hate where it's like, oh, no, no, no. no I'm not I don't like that. spiders. Like I don't like roaches. Are. Roaches are gross. Yeah. <laughs> Spiders don't bother me. Roaches, I don't give a shit. Really? Oh man. No. Yeah. But yeah, in the in the come original, over to my house and kill him, will you? <laughs> I will. In the original film, 
they use practical bees for almost like all those scenes. And it's only Tony Todd's what? got like bees coming out of his mouth. Those are all. Yeah. Hold on. She's doing trivia. She might say that. No, she no, no. That, I don't. Ha- I don't have that. Okay. Really, but oh. no. That's... And then uh, I believe he had in a contract to it was I think it was thousand dollars a sting, a bee sting or something like that. Oh, really? And he got like at least twenty five grand from that just a, as a bonus because yeah, he got stung a lot. Yeah, I heard that oh, too. Shit. Well, good for him. I th- he should get a thousand dollars for bee sting. He had Damn. bees in his, in his mouth. mouth. Yep. Yeah. He deserves it. All right, moving on. More trivia. So Jordan Peele was originally supposed to direct this. But um, I don't know exactly what the impetus was for him moving into just a production of the producer role and Nia DaCosta bring, being brought on as director, but nonetheless, she was. And so when the film opened in theaters, she became the first black female filmmaker to have a movie open at number one in the box office. Hell so, yeah. It happened a long Hell time. Hell yeah. Good for that. her. And it's again, well, that do, well so deserved. Long yeah. Let's did see. you guys get the feel of Jordan Peele? Sorry, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, did you Jordan Peele feel? Yeah, I mean, like some of the shots. I'm just talking about like like when he uh, when Anthony first got to Cabrini Green, like the shot of like the back of his head and it kind of panned out, like of the the everything shut down with the fences and stuff like that. I, it felt Jordan Peele to me. I didn't notice that, but I'm not super well versed in like the particulars of cinematography. And I don't, I don't know that I'm always capable of like specifically identifying every, like, you know, the stylistic choices of certain directors. Like, I mean, in a vague sense I am, but like not always, especially when it comes to like camera shots and and things like that. I'm not always capable of that just because I don't know that much about it. But some directors you know, they just make films and they can make any type of film. And But then there's some directors that have that vibe that, you know, when you're yeah. watching one of their films, you know, like Tarantino. Yeah. I don't want to open up that can of worms, but I was I think just Tarantino. thinking about that, too. <laughs> well, I, I'm talking about the tears, too. And like, yeah. like the close up. That could have been DaCosta doing a, a nod to Peel. Perhaps. Yeah. Been, like not yeah. Peel's, uh, not Peel's influence, but in a sense, but like her saying, hey, you know, I'm making a film that we made together i'm gonna make a nod towards your films yeah right i mean he he was involved in the writing but she was in the driver's seat i mean she had the the creative control over this film so we don't know but i mean it could have just been a deliberate choice on her part to acknowledge him could have been uh let's see the shadow puppets in the film used to convey the horrors of the racial violence bear a strong similarity to the work of fine artist kara walker is that a name you guys are familiar with i don't Mm -hmm. i don't know her Mm-hmm. But uh, apparently she's an artist who does like silhouette type shadow um, cuttings. Troy and Grady, I almost said Tom. Troy and Grady are the only two prominent characters lucky enough to never actually encounter Candyman. They're kind of the only ones spared. Let's see. The library scene was filmed at Northern Illinois University, the library in DeKalb, Illinois. Oh, so they actually filmed this in Chicago. Nice. Oh, yeah. And like the, the shots at Cabrini Green are at Cabrini Green, which is oh, nice. Chicago. That's uh, kind of. Oh, so I mean, I think this might be obvious, but when Anthony is listening to the tapes, made by Helen when she was doing her research. That was actually Virginia Madsen's voice. 
So it was. She's, she's technically in the film, even though it's just her voice and she's not seen. But <laughs> I, I like, love that. I, I really like that. that that's included. So, um, yeah, between her and Vanessa Williams as Anne Marie and then Tony Todd um, appearing at the end, I think those are some nice nods. Yeah. Oh, we didn't mention this. I don't know if you guys noticed. I noticed this the first time I watched it. When we meet Anne Marie, Anthony's mother, there's a moment when she turns and you can see a big scar on her shoulder. Yeah, you do. From where she got the meat cleaver in the original. Oh, Candyman. shit. I got to watch this again. I noticed. So oh, I got to watch dude, this again. John, my advice is go watch the original Candyman okay. and then the next night watch the 2021. I think I think that'll be like an experience. I think you should do that S- since you haven't seen the original Candyman for a while. <laughs> okay. uh, boring, boring, boring. Helen was intended to have a larger role in this film, but the concept was shelved for some reason. How would you guys have felt about that if Helen had had more nah. of a role? I thought she was I used perfectly. I, I, I like the, the 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 sound of her recording stuff was awesome. I mean, what kind of how much larger of a role could they give her? Her character's dead. Yeah. I mean, she could come back as a candy man. No, I don't need to see that. Because that's what happens at the end. See, I, I, I agree, though. I think I think this was like just the right amount because this story isn't about her. Nope. No, you know? not at all. Again, like she she I think she belongs in the first film and, and that's it. She's like she's an outsider to mm-hmm. this story. And so I think that it's it's not about her. And I'm glad that this was as it was. True. She started out as an antagonist, but became the protagonist at the end of the movies. And that was fine. It was like, this is what she actually did. So that was fine. Right. Um, the last the last thing I'll say is it's it's kind of interesting. This film kind of shows like a, a full circle kind of fate with Anthony. Like. Helen died and became a Candyman, saving Anthony, who becomes a Candyman from Daniel Robitaille, who was the original Candyman. So it's it's like kind of a circle, circle of life. Man. Circle of Candyman. Mm. <laughs> Mufasa. <laughs> oh my god. I just had an image of Daniel of like Tony Todd holding up Anthony. Baby. Like <laughs> holding him up over a cliff. No, right. the adult, no, the adult Anthony. <laughs> like, yeah. Anybody that's, that listens to the show that does graphic design and want to put that together for us. <laughs> Photoshop. So that's about it. That's about it. I think we're done. All right. Um, okay. Whose pick is it next week? It is my pick next week. Hyderberg. And we're going to be covering a Titan with special guest Nicole Titan. from Light and Shadow Podcast. This awesome. is a movie I want to see so bad. I have not seen it yet. Oh, you guys okay. still haven't seen it? No. no you've seen it? Yes, I have. You cheater. I watched it like weeks ago before kidding. I knew you were yeah. picking it. Um, now, did, awesome. did you watch it in preparation for your Women in Horror Month uh, episode with... I did. Oh, yeah, I did, I did yeah. watch it. Yeah. So I'll give a quick plug here. Go um, for it. Tomorrow, February 15th, Nicole will be releasing her Women in Horror Month episode, which I was a guest host on. So it was the two of us chatting about the most influential women in horror. Not like that was a, you know, overwhelming topic or anything. But <laughs> we talked, I think in the course of an hour and a half or so, we talked about about 22 different Oh, yeah, that's nothing. So, so I hope that'll be a fun listen. It'll be available tomorrow. So you guys can look for that. The podcast is called Light and Shadow 
horror podcast. So Absolutely. you should listen to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I did. I did watch to Titan Titan. I'm not sure how to say it um, in preparation for that, but that's your pick for next week. Awesome. I'm excited to watch it because I was a big fan of raw and that was our first episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's the same director. Yeah. Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think so, one of the same actresses is in it too. The one that played um, Justin. Justin. Well, let's Young. save all that. Let's save all oh. that for next week. Right. Sorry. I already have tons of trivia. Shut up, that. John. Oh, sweet. <laughs> Shut up, Hyderberg. <laughs> Shut up, boys. Shut there up. There we go. It's a woman in horror months. Let the lady talk. <laughs> Shut up. So next week we'll be reviewing Tatane. Everybody Ta-ta. go Tatan. Everybody go watch that and tune in next week for our discussion of that film. In the meantime, if you'd like to email us for any reason at all, you can find us at a cut above horror review at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at cut above horror. You can check us out on Instagram at a cut above one word dot horror underscore review. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, A Cut Above, colon, Horror Review. And thank you guys so much for all the reviews that we've gotten on iTunes. And now on Spotify, give us that five-star review. So thank you guys so much. Yeah, we've been getting some pretty good reviews lately. So it's we nice have. Yeah, thank you, thank everybody. You. Uh, it, any other podcast other than Nicole, because she's going to be on with us next week, Light and Shadow Podcast, which is coming out, you said... Tomorrow, Tomorrow, the 15th. Yeah. All right, perfect. Yep. So by the time you listen to this episode, it might already be out. So check that out too. Sure. And then tune in for us next week and Nicole will be here. So you can get a double dose of both me and Nicole. What more could you want in life? All right. <laughs> Nothing. See you next week. And keep it creepy. Creepy.